Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Jordan Trahan. I serve as a pastoral assistant here at Crawford Avenue. And um, it is my joy to be able to have this opportunity uh, to preach. Um, and so if you have your Bible, or if you're using one of the black Bibles, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32, we'll be looking at verses 22 through 32. And if you're using one of the black Bibles, it's on page 27. This is God's word, starting in verse 22. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had, and Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please, tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the the sinew of the thigh. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you that we can gather together, read your word, worship you together. And Lord, now we pray that we may see your face together. Lord, we ask that as we study your word, that you would speak to us through your spirit. And Lord, we ask that you would glorify yourself in our time together. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we come to this passage and we find two characters. We have a man named Jacob, and then we also have a mysterious, unnamed man which we will actually come to see is God. In this story of Jacob wrestling with God, this is actually the most pivotal moment in Jacob's life. And not only is it the most pivotal moment in Jacob's life, but I think we could take it further and say that this is actually the the experience of the Christian life. But in order to, to feel the full weight of the meaning in this passage, we have to go back. We need to see who this Jacob is. We need to see what he's done. We need to see why he is now waiting in the dark, standing next to the Jabbok. And so when we go back, we find that Jacob is a dysfunctional man. He is a dysfunctional man from a dysfunctional family. Before even being born, we see in Genesis 25 that Jacob struggled with his brother Esau in the womb. 
They fought against one another in the womb. And not only that, but when they are born, Esau comes out first, and Jacob is described as holding on to the heel of Esau. And that right there would actually describe the rest of Jacob's life until we find him here next to the Jabbok. You see, Jacob wanted, he had to be first. Jacob had to be blessed. And what stood in his way was Esau. But Jacob, Jacob would not let that stand in his way. He would let nothing stand in his way, but he would be first. He would take any means necessary to be blessed. And so, as Jacob and Esau grow up, Jacob has two things, two steps that he has to accomplish in order to be first, in order to be blessed. And so the first step was to get the birthright. And so we find a more grown Jacob and Esau in chapter 25. We find Esau, who is a man's man. He is grown into this man who is a skillful hunter, a worker of the field. And we find Jacob, who is a quiet man, a man who is described as dwelling in tents. And one day, as Esau comes in from a long day in the field, he's tired, he's hungry, he's exhausted. He comes and he finds his brother Jacob making a bowl of stew. And he asks his brother, Give me a bowl of stew. And does Jacob cheerfully give his brother a bowl of stew? Does he gladly serve his brother who has been working a long day in the field? No, Jacob is a self-made man. Jacob is a man who recognizes opportunity when it comes and he jumps on it. And so Jacob sees the opportunity that is before him and he makes a bargain. He says, I'll give you a bowl of stew, but you give me the inheritance. And now Esau, being a man's man, he's also a little bit dramatic. Let's just say that. He says, what good to me is a birthright if I'm about to die from hunger? There's a little bit of exaggeration in that. In Esau's mind, he was going to, if he didn't eat right now, he was going to die. And parents with teenagers, I'm sure you've heard that a few times this morning. And Esau, he gives away the birthright. He forfeits the birthright. He despises the birthright for just a bowl of stew. But for Jacob, step one is now complete. And now we need to move on to step two. Step two he has the blessing, or he has the birthright, and now he needs the blessing. And what is this blessing? The blessing is his father's, his father's, father Isaac's blessing, who Isaac received from his father, Abraham. This blessing entails the promises of God that were made to Abraham, promises to bless Abraham, promises to give Abraham a people, promises to give Abraham a land. Jacob needs that blessing. 
Jacob will have that blessing. And so Isaac, we find him in chapter 27, reaching old age. He realizes that his days are numbered. And so he wants to get his house in order. But to get his house in order, he has to give the blessing. And you see, with the blessing, it only passes on to one son. Between Ishmael and Isaac, it passed to Isaac. But now who is it going to pass to? Is it going to pass to Esau? Or is it going to pass to Jacob? And if it's up to Isaac, it's going to pass to Esau. For you see, Esau was his favorite son. He wants to give it to Esau, and so he calls Esau to himself. He says, Esau, go hunt, kill game, and make me my favorite meal. And after I have eaten, I will give you the blessing. And so Esau goes out. He goes out to kill some game, to make his father's favorite meal, and to receive the blessing. But, but, overhearing what's happening is Rebecca, Isaac's wife. Jacob and Esau's mother. Rebecca overhears the conversation and he, she realizes what is happening. He's about to give the blessing to Esau and that won't stand for Rebecca because for Rebecca, Jacob was her favorite son. And you remember I said that, that Jacob comes from a dysfunctional family. And so she realizes what's happening. She's going to Isaac's going to give Esau the blessing, but she will not stand for that. And so she hatches her own plan. She hatches her own scheme. Like mother, like son. And so she calls Jacob to herself. She tells Jacob what's going on, and she tells him the plan. And so what she does is she makes Isaac's favorite meal. She... Um, takes some clothes of Esau, dresses Jacob in them so that Jacob would smell like Esau. And then she takes um, furs, goat furs, and puts them on his arms and on his neck so that he would feel like Esau. Because you see, Isaac, in his old age, was blind. The opportunity has presented itself. The opportunity to deceive, the opportunity to take What Jacob wants most, that blessing, the opportunity has presented itself. And so Jacob goes in, goes into his father, smelling like Esau, feeling like Esau, presents father with his favorite meal. And is it going to work? Is this actually going to work out for Jacob? It does. That's right. It does work out. Jacob deceives his father. He gets the blessing. And he makes his way out. And in comes Esau. Esau has done what his father has asked him. He's brought him his meal. And he's eager to be blessed. But both would soon realize what has happened. And when they realize what happens, we actually see how they both respond. The way that, that Isaac responds when he realizes what Jacob has done is, is found in verse, uh, chapter 27, verse 33. 
And in that, we see that once he learns that what, had, what Jacob has done, he begins to tremble very violently. And then he goes on and he affirms to Esau that the blessing is Jacob's. And Esau, upon hearing that, begs bitterly that his father would bless him too. And we read, Isaac says to him, Isaac says to him, your brother came deceitfully and he has taken away your blessing. And now we read that and we say, Isaac, you just said it. You just said it. He deceived you. He came to you under false pretenses. Just void the blessing and give it to Esau like you had planned. But oh, that, that trembling, that trembling, we see the trembling and we think that he's angry, but I think that there is more to this trembling than just anger. I think that that trembling represents something much deeper. Isaac has come to a realization. Isaac has realized something. Because you see, before Jacob and Esau were even born, God provided a prophecy. And in that prophecy, God says that the older shall serve the younger. And what that means is that, is that the blessing, the favor of God would not go to Esau. The favor of God would be with Jacob. Before the two of them are even born, that was God's will. And Isaac now realizes that his favor towards Esau, his desire to bless Esau, was contrary to the will of God. And that trembling... That trembling is a sign of coming to realize that he has been living contrary to God's will. And so that's why he affirms. That's why he says, no, the blessing is Jacob's. And in the very next passage, he actually reaffirms the blessing to Jacob. Reaffirms that this is the Abrahamic promises. This is the Abrahamic blessing. The covenant would not pass to Esau, but it would continue through Jacob. And so there's, this, there's almost a sense of repentance in that trembling. Isaac's response is to recognize God's will and to be faithful to it. But Esau's response, Esau's response, Esau realizes what his brother's done. He realizes that Jacob has tricked him out of both his birthright and now his blessing. Jacob has indeed lived up to his name for he has cheated Esau twice now. And so in his anger, Esau decides it is time to get rid of Jacob. It's time to kill Jacob. And so Jacob has the birthright and he has the blessing. He has the two things that he needed most. Two things that he wanted most. He wanted to be first. He wanted that blessing. But is he truly blessed? Is the question. For you see, because of angers, or because of Esau's anger, Jacob has to flee. And if you know the promises made to Abraham, he was promised land and people, and now we find Jacob fleeing from both. 
fleeing from his people and fleeing from his land. Sure, he had gotten the birthright. Sure, he had gotten the blessing. But what good was it if he wasn't in the land, if he wasn't with the people? And so Jacob flees. He thought that he was striving for something good. He thought that he was going to deceive his way into having the good life. But no. Jacob is only fleeing now. But by God's grace, by God's grace, while he is with Laban, he actually begins to build a people. He marries Leah and Rachel. They have children. He begins to build a people. He actually acquires great wealth, great possessions. But there's one thing missing. That is the land. The land of his forefathers. The land that was promised to Abraham. That is the one thing that is missing for Jacob. And so in Genesis chapter 31, verse 3, the Lord comes to him and he tells him it's time. It's time to go back. Not only does he tell Jacob to go back to the land, but he actually also promises Jacob that he will be with him too. And so God gives him a command and he assures Jacob that he will be with him. And so Jacob obeys. He goes. He begins to head back to the land. He begins to head back for home. But in chapter 32, right before our passage, Jacob learns that Esau, that his brother, that his brother who he had deceived, the brother who had stood in his way, the brother who he had tricked, the brother who, when the last time he saw him, wanted to kill him, is on his way, and he wants to see him. And actually, for the first time, we see Jacob pray to God for deliverance. In Genesis 32, 9 through 12, we see Jacob pray for deliverance, and in that prayer, he does two things. He prays for deliverance, but he also recognizes that he is not worthy of the steadfast love of God. And so in recognizing that, he asks and expresses this sort of dependence upon God. He asks God to deliver him from the hand of Esau. And now we read that and we think, yes, Jacob, you're finally learning. You don't have to depend upon your schemes. You don't have to depend upon your own means. You can depend upon God. But such enthusiasm is short-lived because in the very next passage, we see that Jacob is no changed man. We see that Jacob is still going to depend upon his schemes. And so he hatches another scheme in verses 13 through 21, where he takes all of his herds of animals and he um, takes large portions of them and puts them into groups. And in each group, there's, there's two servants who will lead the animals to Esau. And in, in between each group, he allots a little period of time so that over and over and over again, Esau will just be lavished with gifts. They're going to take all of these groups of animals to Esau, and Jacob is banking on that to soften Esau's heart. He is banking on that for Esau to not 
kill him. He's banking on that for his life to be spared. He's not depending on the God who told him that he would be with him. He's not depending on the God who made these promises to him. He is depending upon himself, his own deceit, his own schemes. And so off they go. He sends them off. And apparently it's so many groups of animals that it finally comes tonight and there's one group left. And he sends off the last group, which is made up of his wives and his children and the rest of his possessions. He sends them off. He sends everything that he has ahead of him. And he stands next to the Jabbok waiting, waiting to go meet his brother. And in the darkness and in the silence, he turns. And there is a mysterious figure waiting for him. And when that man appears, the bell rings and the fight is on. The two of them begin to wrestle. And I don't care how many WWE Smackdowns you've seen. This fight, this fight is the fight of the millennia. Because the two men are so evenly matched. The struggle is so intense that the fighting goes on through the entire night until the morning is about to break. And you can imagine what's going on in, in Jacob's mind. He's, who the heck is this guy? I'm waiting for Esau. It's Esau who I need to be wrestling with. It's Esau who I thought my fight was with. It was, it's Esau who I think, thought that I had to get past to get that blessing. If I could just get past Esau, I could get into the land and the blessing is there. But it's not Esau. It's someone else. And this mysterious man, this mysterious man realizes that he's not prevailing over Jacob. And so he reaches out to Jacob's hip. He touches it. And the hip pops out of place. And in that moment of excruciating pain, I don't know if you've ever had a joint be dislocated. It is excruciating. In that moment of excruciating pain in the moment of his most vulnerable state in the moment of helplessness and weakness Jacob comes to a realization much like his father before him did he realizes this is no mere mortal this is no man this is someone divine and in verse 26, we see Jacob just grab hold of this divine figure. In that moment where he is most vulnerable, in that moment where he is helpless, he grabs hold, grabs hold of this figure. And he will not let him go. And the figure looks down at him and he says, let me go for the morning has come. But Jacob, look what Jacob says. He says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob has realized that his wrestling match is not with someone else. It's not with something else. This wrestling match is with God. 
And in that moment of pain and weakness, he realizes this, and the only thing that he can do, the only thing that he can do is grab hold of God and hold on for dear life. If it's not Esau who stood in Jacob's way, It was not Esau that he was waiting for next to the Jabbok. It was God himself who he was waiting for, and it was himself who stood in his way. Before this, Jacob, Jacob was a self-made man. Jacob was a man who took opportunities. Jacob was a man who got things done for himself. He didn't need nobody. The reality is that Jacob, thinking that he's striving for the blessing of God, in reality, Jacob was only striving against God. He was not striving with God. He was striving against God. For Jacob trusted in himself. He trusted in his schemes. He trusted in those things to get the blessing rather than depending upon and trusting the God who gave him the blessing. He has been striving with, against God this entire time. And so in this, this pivotal moment in the match, when Jacob's hip is useless, his leg is useless, when he's just holding on to this man, he makes a demand. He asks for something. Jacob, who is in no state to make demands, makes a demand. He says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob has grabbed hold of God and he is demanding to be blessed. Now there's something I want us to just pause and think about for a second. And it's this, God is not afraid to come and wrestle with his people. And the wrestling we see here is a good thing. Why? Why is this a good thing? Because good things happen to Jacob. Not in the way that you may think. For Jacob is humbled before God. And he grabs hold of God. Two things happen. Jacob is humbled before God and he grabs hold of God. There is a a moment in this match where God humbles Jacob before himself by dislocating the hip. And in that, Jacob is led to do the only thing possible that he can do, which is grab hold of and not let go of God. Before this, Jacob would have taken any means necessary to get the blessing himself. But now he's come to realize what is needed most is to humble myself before the God who has given me the blessing and depend upon him to accomplish it. And the truth of the matter is that wrestling with God can be painful. We want to have an experience with God. We want to experience God. We want to know God. We want to to be with God. But the truth of the matter is that wrestling with him, meeting him, having an experience with him can be painful. But friends, hear me. 
in that pain is goodness. For in that pain you are brought before a holy God and you can do nothing else. Your schemes will not save you. Your works will not save you. The only thing you can do is grab hold of him in faith. See, wrestling with God can be painful. It can be uncomfortable. But in the wrestling, there comes a point of humility. And at the point of humility comes an attitude of dependence. And in an attitude of dependence, we can ask, we can make demands of God. And God will bless us, just as he has blessed Jacob. And we continue on, and we see that after making such a demand, God asks in verse 27, what is your name? God says, who are you? Who do you think that you are that I would bless you? And Jacob responds. He tells him, Jacob, one word, Jacob. I am Jacob. Jacob the cheat. Jacob the deceiver. Jacob the schemer. Jacob the one who is the self-made man. I am Jacob. Jacob the sinner. For you see, in this culture, names were not just names. They had more to them than just what to be called. Names actually revealed a person's character. And it's actually Esau who gives us a better understanding of this. We see back in chapter 27, after, after Jacob has stolen his blessing, Esau says in 27:36, "Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times." And so what's happening here is that, is that Jacob is being humbled even further. He is being humbled before God even further. The pain of a dislocated hip has has led Jacob to grab hold of God, but the pain of answering the question, who are you, causes him to recognize that he doesn't deserve a blessing. And the only thing he can do is leave his life in God's hands. He realizes that his life is in God's hands. And it is up to God what is going to happen. And in verse 28, actually before that, it is then that God decides to bless him. Because in verse 28, he says, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. God says no longer. No longer is your name Jacob. No longer will you be known as the deceiver. No longer will you be known as the cheat. No longer will you be known as Jacob. Instead, you are Israel. Why? Because you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. All of his life, Jacob strived against man, strived with his father Isaac, he strived with his brother Esau, and he did so deceitfully. 
He was successful, but he did so deceitfully. But now, now we see that Jacob has striven with God, and he has prevailed. But the way that he prevails is far different than the way that he prevailed against men. Prevailing against men, he depended on himself, he depended on his schemes, he depended on deceit. But with God, he prevailed through humility, having his hip popped out of place. He prevailed through grabbing hold of God. He prevailed through asking, simply making a demand. Jacob has prevailed because he has depended upon God. Not only that, but he has prevailed because he has finally come to the end of himself. He says, I am Jacob. He has reached the end of himself. He has reached the end of his schemes. He has reached the end of his deceit. He has reached the end of his plans. And the only thing that he can do is just hold on. Just hold on and not let go. And friends, I just want to ask, does such prevailing characterize our own lives? Or better yet, more specifically, does such prevailing characterize our prayer life? Because, I mean, prayer is an invitation to come wrestle with God. Wrestle with God and prevail and be blessed. And what about those times in the night, in the silence, when that voice urges you to get up, to read, to pray? Friends, what if that is God inviting you to come and wrestle? What if that is God inviting you to come and humble yourself before Him? Sure, it may be painful, but it is worth it. Because you will f- come to find a deeper and more profound understanding of, of who God is in those moments. You will come to realize that, that, that how sinful you are. You will come to realize that God is good. You will come to realize that you can depend upon God. And it may be painful. But friends, it is good. Because just as as Jacob, just as Jacob found himself waiting in the middle of the night, finds himself wrestling with God in the middle of the night, we too may find ourselves wrestling with God in the darkness. But be encouraged because if you hold on, you demand to be blessed, if you hold on, Just like Jacob, who, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit here. Just like Jacob, who rose with the morning sun and walked away with a new name, walked away with a limp, walked away with the blessing of God, so too, when we endure such things, we can walk away in the newness of life. We can walk away with a limp, 
He can walk away having encountered a living God and be changed. So Jacob demands to be blessed. Jacob comes to the end of himself. He realizes this is God. God will do what he wants. And God blesses him. He gives him a new name. Calls him Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And then in verse 29, you can see that Jacob is feeling a little bit confident now. Jacob decides to make another demand. Just look at what he says. He says, or it says, Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. Now, I think it's pretty obvious. I think it's pretty obvious in this passage, passage that, that Jacob knows who he's dealing with. He's had his hip popped out just by a touch. And the man has told him that he has striven with God in the previous verse. And so when we come to this, I think there's more to it than just Jacob asking God, what do I call you? This is not, this is not the same thing as Moses at the burning bush. Asking, what do I call you? No, this is Moses on Mount Sinai asking to see the glory of God. For you remember that names are more than just names. Jacob doesn't just want to know what to call this person. He wants to see this person. He wants to see their character. He wants to see this person in all of their glory. This is Jacob seeking the face of God. What's happening here is that something, something has happened to Jacob. Jacob has experienced something because before Jacob looked out for Jacob. Jacob looked after Jacob. Jacob sought his best interests. Jacob would do whatever it took to get what he wanted. But now Jacob is not seeking that. Jacob is seeking something else. Jacob is seeking the face of God. He has come to realize that that his whole life, striving for this blessing, striving for this blessing, striving to be first, he was not seeking the face of God. But now he has seen, he has tasted. He has seen that God is good and he wants more. All because... God has come and wrestled with him, humbled him before himself, let himself be grabbed hold of by Jacob, has blessed Jacob, and now Jacob walks away, a new man. We first found Jacob standing next to the Jabbok, waiting to see if his scheme would work. And now, Now we find Jacob walking away from wrestling with God. He he walks away with the rising sun, with a new name, with the blessing of God, and with a limp in his step. Not a pep in his step, but a limp in his step. And I think that there are three takeaways for us this morning in this passage. That is the story of Jacob. Now, what do we do with this story? There's three things. 
First, we can see that God desires to bless his people. God desires, he wants, he longs to bless his people. See, up to this point, Jacob just wanted the blessing. That was all he wanted. He thought everyone and everything stood in his way. If only I did not have Esau for a brother. If only I did not have Isaac for a father. If only these things did not stand in my way, my life would be blessed. And we can approach life in the same way. If only, if only. If only my finances were in a good spot. If only my marriage was in a good spot. If only, if only, if only. If only I didn't have this job. If only, if only I had that better job. If only I was in this situation, not this situation. If only, if only. But God, God desires to bless his people. But what stood in the way of Jacob was not the if-onlys, was not Esau, but it was Jacob's own lack of trust. Trust that God really did want to bless him. Trust that God really did care for him. Trust that he could actually depend upon God. And so instead he takes matters into his own hands, and as we have said, he was actually striving against God. And so God comes, he meets Jacob, he humbles Jacob, he shows Jacob his desire to bless him, and he does so. He blesses Jacob. But I actually had a little bit of trouble with verse 25. In verse 25, we see him say, or we see the the author say, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, what does that mean? We know that we're dealing with God. We know that this is God. The how, how, how could God not prevail against Jacob? How could God Almighty, the omnipotent God, the creator, the one who rose Jacob from the dust, how could he not prevail over Jacob? And I realized that that is the wrong question. The question is not how. The question is why. Why would God not prevail? And it is because that was not God's motive. God did not come to meet Jacob in order to win. God did not come to meet Jacob in order to wrestle him to death. God did not come to meet Jacob in order to bear a sword and execute justice against Jacob, even though Jacob deserved it. Instead, he comes and he meets Jacob in grace. He comes in order to flood Jacob's life with grace and with mercy. Jacob deserved to die, but God would not do it. And so he shows him mercy. And he shows him grace by showing him that he wants to bless him. God didn't come wanting to smite Jacob. He came wanting to save Jacob. And friends, God has come again. The person of Jesus Christ, God has come again in order to not wield a sword, not to execute justice. Even though he could have, Christ could have came and he could have established his kingdom with a sword, but friends, we would not stand. We would be annihilated. We would be destroyed. Instead, Christ has come bearing grace and mercy and forgiveness 
And he desires to give it to us. He didn't come and accomplish salvation to withhold it. He came with a desire to spread the blessing of it. To give it to all peoples in all places. Friends, he has come with an age of grace. We live in an age of grace and mercy. We live in the age of blessing. But the truth, the reality, is that there is an age coming. There is an age coming when grace will be over and judgment will be enforced. But friends, we live in an age like Jacob does, where God comes to us desiring to bless us. So God desires to bless us. Second, God blesses those who prevail. God blesses those who prevail. When we come to the end of ourselves, when we are humbled before a holy God, when we can do nothing else but grab hold of God and hold on for dear life, we can ask and we can prevail. And just as Jacob prevailed by grabbing hold of God, we prevail now by grabbing hold of Christ. Because Christ has striven and Christ has won. He has striven with sin and death and he has won. He has victory. Christ has prevailed. And it is him that we grab hold of and that we do not let go of. But we demand to be blessed. And friends, I want you to know that, that Christ is the one who grabs hold of you too. He will not let you go. Just as Jacob would not let this man go, Christ will not let us go. And just as Jacob was blessed by this man, we are blessed in Christ. We are blessed by holding on to, depending upon, trusting in, having faith in the one who has prevailed. And if we prevail, we will be blessed. And third, the Christian life is a life of wrestling. Christian life is a life of wrestling. When we receive the, the salvation of the Lord, when we are ushered into the kingdom of God, when we receive the blessings of Christ, friends, you know that the wrestling does not stop. The wrestling does not go away. Temptations keep coming. Sin still remains. The power may, have, may be gone, but the presence of sin still remains. So wrestling does not stop, but there's a difference now for us. Now we run. We fly to opportunities to meet with God, to wrestle with God, to encounter God. We fly to such opportunities because we know that we, we it may be painful, but we know that we will come out of it blessed. We will come out of it with a limp. We will come out of it the newness 
of life. You see, Jacob went into this wrestling match with God, and he endured pain. His hip was put out of place, and he walked away with a limp. But this limp, oh, how beautiful this limp probably was. This limp was a symbol that this man had encountered the living God. He had wrestled with God, and he prevailed. And so my prayer for us this morning is that we may be a people who fly to opportunities to wrestle with God, to meet with God. It may be painful. It's painful to be humbled before God. But let us be ready to grab hold of Him, to not let Him go, to grab hold and demand to be blessed, and blessed we will be. May we come to know him in a deeper and more profound way through the wrestling that we endure with God. And may we walk out the other side with a limp so that the world may see that we, we have encountered the living God and we have lived to tell the tale because he has shown us grace and mercy. Let's pray. Father, you are a good God, a God who desires to bless us, a God who in grace and mercy comes to meet us, a God who by grace humbles us, a God who blesses us. And so Lord, we ask that as we go from here that we would, we would encounter you, that we would seek your face, and Lord, that we would be humbled before you and that the world may see that we are a people who have encountered you and lived to tell the tale. And Lord, I pray that you would show us grace, that you would show us mercy. And Lord, may we worship you as the God who truly deserves our trust and our dependence. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.